Coming up on Philosophy Talk, what do citizens owe the state? What does the state owe to its citizens? Thomas Hobbes and the Ideal Citizen. I wanna be a boss, I wanna be a big boss, I wanna boss the world around, I wanna be the biggest boss that ever bossed the world around. What's the difference between being a citizen and being a subject? Well, citizens have a say. Subjects merely obey. Don't citizens also have to obey? No, citizens have inviolable rights. But surely they have duties as well. I want to do it right. I want to do it right away. I want to do it right now. I want to do it right away. I want to do it now. The life of man. Solitary. Poor. Nasty. Brutish. In short. I wanna be a boss, I wanna be a big boss, I wanna boss the world around, I wanna be the biggest boss that ever bust the world around. Our guest is Alison McQueen, author of Political Realism in Apocalyptic Times. Hobbes and the Ideal Citizen. He already thinks life is nasty, brutish, and long. Coming up on Philosophy Talk. Shouldn't citizens have a say in how they are governed? Or is that just a recipe for endless extremism and dangerous division? Is a ruler with absolute power really the only thing that can keep the peace? Welcome to Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Except your intelligence. I'm Ken Taylor. And I'm Josh Landy. We're coming to you from the studios of KALW San Francisco. Continuing conversations that begin at Philosopher's Corner on the Stanford campus where I teach philosophy and Josh directs the Philosophy and Literature Initiative. Today we're thinking about Thomas Hobbes and the Ideal Citizen. Uh, Hobbes was a great philosopher, uh, Josh, but he was also kind of a... Yeah, he was a kind of a provocative one. He said that life in the state of nature without the government intact would be, get this, solitary, poor, nasty, brutish, and short. And that's the only reason we need a state. Wait, did you say British? What's wrong with being British? No, I didn't say British. I said brutish. Okay, okay, okay that's better. But, you know, I, I still don't buy Hobbes's view, Ken. I mean, what is this stuff about the state of nature? He, he thinks the state of nature would be solitary, but human beings are naturally social creatures. You know, in the, in the state of nature, maybe we'd live like chimpanzees or something in small social groups. Well, I'm going to grant you that, you know, biologically speaking, human beings are to a large degree social animals. But here's something else we do that most animals don't do. We fight with one another like heck. I mean, that's why Hobbes said that life would be brutish and short without the state. I mean, if we lived in a state of nature, we'd be constantly in danger. Come on, of being attacked by other humans, killed by other humans, robbed by other humans, you name it. No, I, I don't agree with that. I mean, look, we're, we're not just social animals, Ken. We're also cooperative animals. We, 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 we band together to get things done. We, you know, we work with one another to create stuff we couldn't create on our own. I mean, and yeah, yeah, okay, we fight sometimes, but it's not usually to the death. Oh, Josh, come on. You're saying that from a very safe and secure perch in a highly developed state with tons and tons of arms. Come on. Sure, but, but what are you getting at? Well, come on. Just think about it. We have laws against things like theft and assault and murder, I, and you could get incarcerated for a long time if you're caught breaking those laws, but without the state being ever vigilant, without its coercive power to punish wrongdoers, come on, all bets would be off. you got to admit that, Josh. You mean to tell me the only thing that's stopping you from going around killing other people is that you, know, you could get locked up for it? I'm starting to feel a little nervous sitting next to you, Ken. I wouldn't go that far, but look, Josh, I have a question for you. Now, answer honestly. Do you lock your doors at night? Of course I do. I live in San Francisco. So, even with all those laws and all that, those police and the courts and the prison, 
you still fear other people, don't you? Don't you? And you would fear them even more. Come on, admit it. If there were none of those things to protect you. I wasn't necessarily advocating anarchy. Okay, well, that's a good thing. But Hobbes's crazy view of the state of nature leads him to a crazy view of the state. He thinks there's supposed to be a, a single ruler who has all the power. And, and what about the rest of us? We're just supposed to obey. Well, there, there I'm going to agree with you. I actually think that... Although living in Hobbes' actual state, that would be the nasty and brutish thing. And, and if you disagreed with the rule, it may be pretty short, too. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You, know, you wouldn't really be a citizen. I mean, you'd be a citizen in name, but that's it. In reality, you're basically a subject at the mercy of an all-powerful no, ruler. Wait a Let's back to this British thing. Aren't you British? Uh, guilty as charged, my good man. So aren't you a subject? And aren't you at the mercy of Her Majesty the Queen, Josh? Come on. I may be a subject of the Queen, but I'm a citizen of the United Kingdom. The Queen has very little power, and I get to vote for my government. Oh, yeah? How's that working out for you these days, Josh? <laughs> Don't kick a man when he's down, Ken. <laughs> I mean, at least we have the right to choose our leaders and have some say in the laws of the land. Well, you're right. Hobbes has a very different idea about what it means to be a citizen. And as it turns out, so do ordinary citizens. So we sent our roving philosophical reporter, Shireen Otto, to ask people on the streets of Oakland and San Francisco about their ideals of citizenship. She files this report. What does it mean to you to be a citizen? Um, the ability to do whatever you want to your heart's content. I think to respect the laws and, and do your part to make sure that there's a legacy left for people that come behind us. Being an active part of your community in a positive way, um, looking out for your neighbors. Being a citizen means that you have the equal rights that other people in your community do and that the government would be willing to stand up for you the same way. The word citizen comes from a French word that originally meant being an inhabitant of a city or town. But being an inhabitant does not always mean having rights. We have to choose someone. And <clears throat> Why just us? We represent all the great houses, but whomever we choose, they won't just rule over lords and ladies. Maybe the decision about what's best for everyone should be left to, well, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should give the dogs a vote as well. I'll ask my horse. That's a scene from the final episode of Game of Thrones. Though the show is fantasy, there are many historical examples where the idea that ordinary people could have a say in governance was laughable. But for every king and queen that balked at giving their subjects the right to vote, there were ancient societies that had really advanced ideas of citizenship. For a Greek citizen, it really was intimately engaged with, wrapped up with, your everyday life. Josiah Ober is a political science and classics professor at Stanford. It wasn't simply a matter of going and voting every four years or every two years. It wasn't simply a matter of writing letters to a representative. Over 2,500 years ago, Athenian citizens went to assemblies 40 times a year. Most of them were also picked from a lottery at least once in their lives to spend a year working full-time in government. It's like jury duty, but for a whole year. And they made decisions about everything. Everything. War, peace, economic policy, um, welfare policy. How do we uh, make sure that the streets stay clean? Um, should we build uh, new warships? You name it. 
And then they would go back to their homes and jobs and be responsible for implementing those policies as workers, soldiers, property owners. So the whole point of citizenship for a classical Greek was that you were not a subject. In Aristotle's terms, you ruled and you were ruled over in your turn. But it wasn't perfect. Not all people had equal rights. To be a citizen, you had to be a man with parents who were citizens. Women were not citizens. Many people were even owned as slaves. As political powers shifted and empires grew, gradually, over a few hundred years, the ancient Greek system disappeared. But it is the basis for modern-day democracy, except cities and states got a lot bigger. So it's much harder for people to interact with a wide range of um, members of the community in these sort of face-to-face -face interactions. Emily Chapman is one of Josiah Ober's political science colleagues at Stanford. She says because people couldn't spend the same amount of time participating in politics, voting became central to the idea of citizenship. But there are also other ways to engage. Demonstrations, campaigning, uh, donating one's time to sort of organizing. Those sorts of things are all crucial activities of citizenship. But which activities are considered acceptable has changed over time, like protesting, for example. If you look at surveys among Americans in the 1960s, a lot of people basically say that it's not an acceptable form of political participation. But then, like over the course of a couple of decades, you see this shifting where people come by the 1990s to see protest as being a normal and legitimate way of exercising your rights or powers as a citizen to try and influence the public rules. Chapman says one of the things that might influence people's attitudes about protesting and demonstrating is that it's open to everyone, even if the person doesn't have official citizenship. And that can be a sign of a healthy democracy. Even if it's not a kind of formal role in decision-making, I mean, in well-functioning democracies, the rights of free speech are extended to non-citizens as well. And that's crucial for creating a culture in which democracy is able to flourish. Democracy is coming to the USA. For Philosophy Talk, I'm Shireen Hyden. Want to hear more? You can find the complete episode on iTunes Music, or for unlimited listening, become a subscriber at philosophytalk.org.